And I'm glad that it does because that's the purpose of it, you know? And I remember back, you know, during a period of time where it's like all you saw was all their achievements and their accomplishments, how much money they have. They're so happy and all, just all this shit. And I'm like, God, do you like never have a shitty day? Like, am I like a fucking failure? Because I, I'm going through some shit and it's very disheartening. And I think it's really unhealthy. You know, I just, I just try to honestly be somebody who, when other people think of what I offer on my platforms, I want the first thing they, t they say is that I keep it real and that I am authentic. Hello, 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 my beautiful selfie squad. I hope you guys have a nice refreshing cold brew with extra half and half in your hand and you made yourself a little piece of toast with some extra butter on the side because let me tell you guys, today's episode is going to be ridiculously rich. If you guys saw the name on the podcast handle this morning, I'm pretty sure you are paying your pants as much as I did recording because yes, Today, we have on the Katie Duke. And holy smokes, you guys. Okay, so you know me. I absolutely love my show notes, but this morning, this intro is going to be a little off the cuff. And I want to tell you this because this is very much from the heart. I very much mean this, and it's something that you guys should know. So, this woman has single handedly changed my life. And we have been friends behind the scenes for about two years now. Um, Katie came into my life, I don't know, 2018, I believe. And since then, she has been a humongous mentor for me personally, for so many reasons, um, not just from a provider and even podcaster, but more as honestly a life mentor. And she has really been been someone that I feel has really set the tone and the standard for us in the social media space and has really, I feel, been a leader in creating this amazing community. So behind the scenes, I actually want to tell this because we didn't really deep dive into this story on the interview, but I want to tell you guys this. So I reached out to Katie uh, I want to say a year and a half ago regarding something that I needed help on. And I really felt like she was one of the only people that could help me with it. And long story short, I sent her a DM, right? And, you know, just slipped right in. And I gave her a short brief, like, you know, hey, here's the thing. And she literally responded to me that day and said, hey, shoot me an email. Like, let's start the conversation. And so email led to phone call. And that phone call literally changed my life. And you guys will find out why later. But I just want this to be known that she really set the standard for me, right? And now for me, I feel like I want to give back to you guys the way that she did to me. I am truly so thankful for the time that she gave me, the advice she gave me, and to be honest, I just really do see her as a big sister figure, a mentor. And so today, you guys are going to be hearing her amazing story. And to be quite honest with you guys, this Katie is much like for many of you who have listened to this podcast, she's much like Sam, right? So she is like the salty to my sweet. She's going to give it to you real straight up like there's no sugar on this shit today. Okay, so 
and I'm just obsessed with all her vibes. So who is Katie? Let me tell you. She is a nurse practitioner, a motivational speaker, a podcaster, a woman's empowerment activist, a scrub curator, and honestly, an OG Instagrammer. We're getting behind the scenes with Katie for this juicy episode. And you guys, we're going to be talking all things lifestyle, career. We're going to get behind the scenes with her beginnings as a nurse, her nurse practitioner journey. We're going to be talking about her podcast, her scrub line, how she has developed this amazing brand. She is going to be dropping all the tea for you guys and really talking about the importance of owning your failures, which of course ultimately leads to success, but she really drops all the tea, you guys. And I want to give this a big shout out too. So obviously she has her podcast called Bad Decisions, which just reached top 10 in the entire country for society and culture. You guys, this is ridiculous. I, I'm so excited for her and not to mention the fact that today, October 6th, when this episode is dropping, her second line, not first, but second line of scrubs has dropped with Cherokee uniforms. You guys, I have actually linked this in the show notes below. So if you guys are interested in shopping it, go shop away. So I just really wanted to get on here and give you guys the real tea about this, how much this interview really means to me. So without further ado, buckle up, tap off your fresh cold brew, and let's dive in. I don't think my podcast career could really get any better than right now, today, this moment. Holy smokes, Katie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Before we hop in, Katie and I were talking about this off camera. So I've been listening, you know, to my usual podcasts. And um, so Miley Cyrus has been doing the rounds. She did an episode with Joe Rogan, and she did an episode on Call Her Daddy. And it was super interesting to learn about her. And, you know, she's Dolly Parton's goddaughter. She was raised by Billy Ray Cyrus, who was the man back in the 80s. And... Anyway, what I'm getting at is I feel like you are my Miley Cyrus. And I actually, you're more of like my Michael Jordan, but maybe that's a better analogy for a Katie Duke moment, but just setting the tone for what this particular interview really means to me. Girl, stop. You're acting like we have not like talked on the phone a million times. I know. Wait, can I tell you something? Oh, God. Okay. My very first image of you. <laughs> Do you want to hear this? This is funny. <laughs> Okay, so I did a shoot back in 2017 for All Heart Scrubs, and Guyana was there, oh, yeah, yeah. who is also an ambassador for Cherokee. And of course, I'm going down the rabbit hole with Cherokee's Instagram page, and I see this picture of this amazing bombshell standing over a man in her white coat and her stethoscope in this powerhouse move. And I was like, who is this? I need to follow this woman. Oh, you know what that picture was from? That picture was from the power suit campaign um, shoot that I did with Ashley Graham and swimsuits for all. No big deal. That wasn't a Cherokee campaign. I was wearing. Yeah, no, that that wasn't a Cherokee campaign. That was actually my very first ever like big major like photo shoot slash thing. Um, And that was shot in 2017, released in 2018, May 2018. And it was, so Ashley Graham um, has a line of swimsuits with Swimsuits for All. 
And um, it's like an all-inclusive size range of like swimsuits. And they did a campaign called Power Suit, where they were um, basically promoting women of different sizes, different backgrounds, different professional careers. And the fact that we should feel equally as empowered in what we wear to business, um, you know, like what we wear to work and whenever we put on a swimsuit. So I was the healthcare professional that they had for the shot. And so I was in there and I was with Brooke Shields, Ashley Graham, um, Angela Simmons, and then um, Pat, I cannot remember Pat's last name, but um, Angela Simmons, obviously an entrepreneur herself, Brooke Shields needs no introduction. Ashley Graham needs no introduction. Um, and then Pat, Pat is actually the world's oldest um, female um, long distance, like open water swimmer. And she's like 66 years old. And um, so the purpose behind that campaign campaign was that women should feel equally as powerful in their swimsuit as they do in their, in their, you know, in their business attire. And so um, that shot was shot by Tony Kelly, who is like a world renowned um, photographer who has been shooting He's been on every major magazine, so many major campaigns. I mean, for like 30 years, he's been in the business. And so that shot is like my most epic shot I think I've ever like been involved in ever. It was really cool. It was just this powerhouse moment. And this is why I love you. And I'm so drawn to you in so many ways because of those kinds of moments. You just have this staying power about you that I think is really iconic and I get to learn so much from you selfishly. And you've just become a mentor for me. And today's going to be a selfish interview. Well, I am. I am. I am your big sister mentor. Probably. Yeah. Like, I like. <laughs> and honestly, it's interesting when you say like, you know, like powerhouse. I, I guess I, I don't really think of myself like that because I don't know. Why? I guess honestly, sometimes I'm a little scared to like toot my own horn. Like I'm a little scared to be like, no, Katie, you're doing some fucking shit because I'm always scared that like, you know, God's going to strike me down and being like, you're not being humble enough, you know, or that, or that I'll come across as one of those fucking selfish Instagram bitches. And like, I'm sorry, but like, I hate nothing irks me more than a fucking woman who is just so full of herself and lets everybody on Instagram know. I mean, I get so sick of going to people's pages and there's tons of little nursey influencers out there to do that. And it's just, and it's just like a constant like flow of like, look at me and look all this fabulous stuff I have and look at me, look at me. So I've never really been one to like, you know, I've just never really been one like that. So it's always very flattering and very humbling when someone's like, oh, no, like your compliment, like that's a big deal. I might be like a powerhouse in some things, but I'm a a weak fucking emotional sissy when it comes to other shit like relationships. That's fine. Hmm. You know what? Hey, (laughs) this is the thing, though. I love a true empowerment moment. And that's what I absolutely love about you. And you just have this great leadership. And I just see it in you as far as that staying power. So for people who don't know you and are unfamiliar with you, if you're living under a rock and you don't know Katie Duke, what is your story? Where did you grow up? What's the background? A little. So I am 39 years old. I was actually born and raised in St. Louis. Um, I'm one of six nurses in my family. Um, I moved to New York City when I was like 20, 
22, 23 years old. After I had been a nurse for a few years, I took a travel nurse contract up here in New York City, and I've been here ever since. So um, I started as an associate's degree nurse in, in, in St. Louis. I worked my first few years in med surge, and then I went on to work in telemetry and step-down unit, and then I started traveling after that. And um, eventually I became an ER nurse at a peds and adult level one trauma center. Um, I finished my bachelor's degree here in New York at City University of New York at Hunter College. I then went on to grad school a few years after that. After I had been a nurse for about eight years, I went and did the acute care NP program at Columbia University. And um, I've been working as a nurse practitioner for the last five years. And I work mainly, um, so I'm not going to talk about my current job. I'm not, you know, let's just put the disclaimer out there. Like a lot of people are like, why don't you post more about your job and your work? And honestly, it's because I will get fucking fired. Um, it's because whenever you have a big platform and you're a female or mm -hmm. you're a nurse, especially targeted. or a nurse practitioner, you will get targeted and scrutinized. But if I was a physician, specifically a male physician, my hospital would love it. They would want me to fucking be on the board of directors of their social media committee. But let's save that for later on. So um, <laughs> I have a history of um, working as a nurse practitioner in inpatient cardiology, heart failure, LVADs. Um, cardiac surgery, trauma surgery. I've kind of been um, all over the place over the last five years. And um, mainly that's because last year I abruptly moved to Washington, D.C., uh, had a different job there, left my job in New York, and then abruptly had to come back to New York. So um, the job that I'm at right now is, you know, it's not my dream job, but it is something that I'm learning a lot of new things in. Um, in 2011, I had the opportunity to be on a TV show on ABC called New York Med. And that was with Dr. Oz. You know, we were all really encouraged to start social media platforms to promote the show. And so what I noticed was, again, keep in mind, this is in 2011. Like there was no such thing as like social media did not anything exist. on social media. Yes. Like, it just it really did not exist. You had Facebook page. There was Twitter. And Instagram had a really ugly brown logo and like no one really used Instagram. There were no brands. There were no brand ambassador. There weren't campaigns. There weren't hashtags. It was all brand new. But our PR department at the hospital was like, you know, you should really like try to take advantage of this to promote the show. So I was one of the ER nurses on the show. And um, what I noticed was after the show really started to air was that it had a huge like it resonated you know, with such a huge amount of people. And I saw that there was a big void out there of female healthcare personalities in the media, specifically nurses. So I decided to really start pursuing that. And over the last nine years, I've just kind of been building my presence and my, my platform. And um, I have grown into a lot of different things. Um, I have a social media presence and a platform where I mainly try to share real life relatable stories through transparent experiences um, mentoring career and personal life experiences and talking about, you know, what it's like to be in our profession. Um, I also like to share a lot of my ups and downs um, in a very transparent way because I think that it's always healthy to do that. Um, I have a podcast um, called Bad Decisions that I launched last year. I was the first influencer that Cherokee Uniforms had. In fact, we launched the first ever healthcare influencer concept um, back in 2013. 
you know, every scrubs brand, you know, from, I won't name all the brands, but every brand has, you know, influencers and brand ambassadors. And that actually started from myself and Cherokee uniforms back in 2013. And so we've really grown that platform a lot. Um, I speak at events all across the United States. I host international women's and nurses retreats. Um, I give keynotes at both academic and um, motivational speaking events and conferences. I have done different, you know, random things throughout the media over the years. But, um, you know, my main thing that I truly love is social media and my podcast and, you know, speaking to people within our community, because I think it's good to have realistic role models out there, people who aren't afraid to talk about you know, their medication errors, people who aren't afraid to talk about when they get dumped in the middle of a pandemic, people who aren't scared to talk about mental health. And by the way, your med error episode is amazing. I was like, Oh, my God, Yeah, that was I can relate that to this. Was, one. Um, and and, pe and pe yeah, pe people need to hear that. You know, they they really do. Yeah, because we've so, all been there over the last like nine years. Um, you know, granted, I love I love being an NP. I love taking care of patients, but I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I'm, I'm already burnt out. I've been in it for 16 years and I'm really trying to focus on how I can, you know, continue to grow my platform with speaking and with workshops and events and, um, you know, the podcast and how I can grow into other things, you know, like merchandise line. And, you know, I have my own collection of scrubs with Cherokee uniforms that we release a few collections a year. Um, and all these other opportunities because truthfully, like they bring me much more peace of mind. I'm a lot happier because working in healthcare, specifically the hospitals is very, um, it's a very abusive, volatile environment. And it, um, it seems that the more my platform grows, the harder of a time I have at work from, um, most, you know, let's just keep it real. It, the harder of a time I have from women at work. And it's interesting, but it's just like a daily reminder of how poorly women can treat mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. And um, how, as a nurse, I, you know, I don't share anything unprofessional on my platform. I don't talk about anything unprofessional, but I have so much scrutiny and I constantly am under a microscope and I'm, you know, constantly held to different standards than other people. Meanwhile, we have male physicians who are literally like posting videos from the procedures that they're doing, just blurbing out the patient's like face or dancing down the hallways in the nurses stations. And they're like praised by their employers and everybody loves them, you know? And it's like, I can't even take a fucking photo, you know, in the break room without somebody being like, Katie is being unprofessional and, you know, me getting, um, you know, like, fucking written up or, you know, called back to my fucking director's office. Like it's, the shit is stressful and I don't want to work in the fucking hospital forever, you know? Like, so that's why I've focused on all these other things over the years because it's just, I really feel like what I love about you is you are thinking long-term, you are thinking strategy. And I really see the bigger picture that you're doing. And of course, now we're really talking about this burnout right? Like I feel like we are all burnt out. Super burnt out. It's ruthless. Healthcare yeah. is ruthless. People can yeah. be very toxic. I know you've talked about that a lot on your platforms. It's not forgiving by any means. But I do think it's really interesting and something that we need to talk about. And I'm so glad that you're in this space 
talking about it. And there's posts that you've made where I'm like, oh my God, I feel this. Like, I'm like, wow, I am feeling this so much. And it also helps me platform it. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that it does because that that's the purpose of it, you know? And I remember back, you know, during a period of time where it's like, all you saw was people are only talking about all their achievements and their accomplishments and how how much money they have and how they have all this, you know, they're so happy and just all this shit. And I'm like, God, do you like never have a shitty day? Like, am I like a fucking failure? Because I like, I'm going through some shit and it's, it's very disheartening and I think it's really unhealthy. So, um, you know, I just, I just try to honestly be somebody who, when other people think of what I offer on my platforms, I want the first thing they t- they say is that I keep it real and that I am authentic. So fire. Yes. Do you feel like this was always a part of you? I mean, like you're definitely this go getter, you know, you're just outspoken. And I love this about you. But, but was this always part of you? I've always been like the black sheep. I've always had a mouth on me. I have always not been good at following directions. I've always stirred the pot. I've always gotten in trouble wherever I go. It's why I honestly like really just like should not have like a boss or a director. I've always been like one of those people who just like, I I like to push the edge and I like to, you know, stir the pot as my mom says. I love that. You know, but I honestly have just kind of had a tough, you know, I've, I've had a lot of, I've had a tough life. You know, I've been through multiple very physically, um, abusive relationships. I have um, had a lot of struggles with, you know, weight and depression throughout my life. And um, I mean, even recently this year, my whole fucking life came mm-hmm. <laughs> completely yeah. uprooted. And, you know, that can turn you into somebody who can either be like, you know, just completely angry and like miserable and, you know, just kind of rolling around in your own shit or it can turn you into somebody who's just like you know kind of up and down all over the place which is kind of like how I am you know so one day I might be you know I've reached out to you a couple times in moments where I felt like you were the only person that I could really go to I needed support in a way that really no one else could give to me and it's really interesting because you and I started this friendship and you were so open in and so raw with me and it translates and I see it in everything you're doing on your platforms. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm going through this. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling exhausted. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, you're talking about mental health You're ta- and you're open and raw with it. And I don't know, I just, I just really feel like we have this I don't know, microscope on healthcare providers where we're not supposed to feel this way. We're not supposed to share that we go through these emotions and these ups and these downs. And I'm like, look, I battle these things too. I battle anxiety and depression and being low and not feeling good and being scared and nervous. Or we get scared that people will think that we're not competent if we, you know, are feeling these things. And it's it's not even like about that, you know, and we're just, we're held to a different set of standards. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. So tapping into beginning nursing and how all this started, explain to me what it's like to be an ED nurse in New York. Oh God. Well, I'm glad I'm still not an ER nurse in New York. So let's just put that out there. 
Um, I, so I worked, um, I worked as an ER nurse here full time, um, both peds and adult level one trauma at a level one trauma and burn center in, in Manhattan. Um, the number one hospital in, in New York City and like number five in the country. It was a very busy, 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 chaotic place. Um, but what is it like specifically being in New York City? Because like an ER is an ER no matter where you go. Um, you're always going to have, you know, your pretty standard stuff that rolls in the door, you know, and your demographic like your demographic of injuries might change. Like if I was in rural Missouri, I might have a lot of farm accidents and high speed motor vehicle collisions. But you know, being in Manhattan, we don't have any farm accidents and there's not really a lot of highways and not a lot of people drive. So we have a lot of people that jump off of buildings and we have a lot of things that explode because there are tons of really, really 100, 150 year old buildings and you know, lots of old structures and things. We have a lot of violence here, you know, not nearly like what it was back in the, you know, 90s and 80s. But um, I think something that I learned initially that made New York City a truly unique place was the fact that in one shift, I can encounter 20 to 30 different cultures, 20 to 30 different languages, 20 to 30 different you know, religious backgrounds that I would have never, ever been exposed to if I would have stayed in St. Louis. And that, to me, really summarizes what New York City is. New York City is a home of the immigrants. We are the melting pot of the entire world. I mean, the, the entire world lives in the five boroughs of New York City. And, um, you know, growing up in the Midwest, you know, I never knew anybody who um, you know, was, was Muslim. I had never even seen, you know, the traditional, you know, the traditional marriage attire of a Nigerian wedding. I had never even known, you know, the tradition of, you know, gifting of gold to an Indian bride, you know, when she gets married. I had never even met a fucking vegan. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Um, I really love it. I had never, yeah, like, I had never really understood um really much about any cultures other than black and white you know and um i think that's something that being in new york city um i think that's one of the gifts that it's given me over the years is that i have such a you know a a really strong knowledge and respect for all of the other people in the world you know that have came here and struggled here and worked here and built a business here and came here and didn't even speak the language and are, you know, making homes here and raising families. I mean, it, it's really a fascinating place. What really drew you to New York? Like, was there a magic moment where you're like, oh, yes, New York. But what was what was the draw for you? I just needed to get as far away from St. Louis as I could. And New York City was the farthest away. And I had a girlfriend who had just finished a travel assignment here and she gave me her contact info for her recruiter. And that was it. So... I just, I needed to get as far away. Like I had never like taken a subway before. I had never taken like a bus. I had never, I didn't know what a fucking bodega was. Like it was just a completely different, uh, just a whole different world. New York City is just like its own little unique world within the United States. Yeah. 
Because I'll say this, being in LA, right? We, when you say LA, it's not like, oh, I live in the city. No, no, no. It's like, what part of LA do you live in? Because there's so many counties, we're all spread out. You, it's not like New York, where it's one central area. It's like, you could live literally like an hour and a half outside of LA. You know, there's so many different counties. It's just, yeah, it's a different, very different dynamic over here. And okay, so not new news here. I want to talk nurse burnout and your transition into NP school. Like what was your thought process? Because here's the thing, we are in this generation and I see it everywhere. I've worked in several different hospitals. My demographics California based, of course, but but so many of us are feeling this in this generation of what's next and or I'm burned out and what's my next move? Like what was your strategy? What were you really thinking? All right, you guys know I love a little ironic moment, so I could not think of a better episode to be talking about plant-based milks than on Katie Duke's episode. So here we go. All right, this is not new to many of you here. I'm talking almond cow. Okay, so this is the number one most utilized appliance in our home. Jacob and I are obsessed with this, and I wanna tell you why. We actually bought our machine back in December, and since then, I fell so in love with the product that I have signed on as an affiliate with this amazing company, and I wanna tell you why. So this is really the future of plant-based milks. It's sustainable, it's creative, it's healthy, it's empowering, and it's absolutely simply delightful. You can transform any nut, seed, or grain into dozens of different milks literally at the touch of a button, you guys. You start with the ingredients, you add a little water, and you press the button. That's literally how easy it is, not to mention the fact that Almond Cow is making better milk for a better planet. Every almond cow prevents 500 plastic cartons from landfills and oceans. They've kept over 1.5 single-use plastics from polluting the planet. Not to mention when I said the word ingredients, nowhere in there did I say stabilizer, filler, or any kind of extra ingredients, you guys. This is taking all of the extra things that they put, xanthan gum, any stabilizers in all of your plant-based milks, those are coming right out. And you guys, I'm just from someone who has been using the product since December, I can genuinely tell you, we love ours. So if you wanna try out your almond cow today, swipe up, there's a link in the bio. Use code Tori for $15 off of your purchase of your almond cow. So head over to almondcow.co to start making your creative, sustainable, healthy, empowering, delightful plant-based milks and use code Tori. All right, you guys, let's get back to the show. Honestly, the only reason I went back was because I was burnt out being a bedside nurse. I had been an, e an ER nurse for like six years at that time. Um, and um, again, like working in a really busy, you know, like New York City ER. Um, but I think, you know, any place in nursing, like you don't have to be a level one trauma nurse, you know, to be burnt out. You can work anywhere. You can work in the fucking derm clinic and be burnt. Well, I don't know if people in derm clinics are burnt out, but <laughs> like, <laughs> I've never heard anyone there say that they're burnt out. I don't think I've heard that either. But I was, you know, I was really, um, I was really just burnt out. Um, I felt like I wanted to do more and I felt like I was tired of just 
like constantly being like chained to the bedside, yeah. cheerfully. I feel that. And my sister was a nurse practitioner. I knew a lot of NPs. And so I wanted to go to grad school. Um, and so that's really the only reason I went is I was like, I'm tired of this bedside shit. And people don't have to go to grad school. Like a lot of people are like, well, I feel like I'm not doing as much as I should be doing. I've been a nurse for 10 years and I'm happy at the bedside. I'm like, that's fucking great. Then you should fucking retire at the bedside. Like it's not something that everybody has to do. And people, people constantly reach out to me and they're always like, you know, I feel lazy because I don't have a side hustle. I feel lazy because I don't want to go to grad school. And like, am I even good enough, you know, staying at the bedside? And I'm like, should I wish, I wish I felt like that. You have it good. You are satisfied with your job. You have peace of mind. You're happy where you're at. There is nothing wrong with that. Like, you don't need to go to grad school. You don't need to get a DNP. You don't need to have a side hustle. You don't need to have, you know, a fucking podcast and a merch line and a fucking and anything. And I always try to make it clear to people that, like, you have to do what's right for you. I agree 100%. And actually, I talk about this quite a bit. We are in this weird phase of pushing more and more and more and we're in magnet hospitals and more education and certifications and bedside more and more and more. Well, I do believe that everybody should have their BSN. And that's the only that's the only magnet requirement is you have to have a bachelor's. I think that it should have been and I'm an associate's degree nurse. So can nobody out there talk shit about like, oh my God, Katie this and blah, blah, blah. No, fuck that. I think that our profession should be a BSN as the entry level. Why? Well, for several reasons. For one, every other fucking health per- healthcare profession out there, physician, physician assistant, any grad school opportunity-based, you know, profession, their entry level, like you have to have a bachelor's. And just the fact that there are so many schools out there that are pumping out associate's degree nurses, um, it has nothing to do with the quality of care. It honestly just has to do with um, leveling up the profession to be able to establish a better working environment um, that a consistent degree can offer from a position of, um, you know, respect and professionalism, even pay, you know, but like, it's, it's just something associate's degree nurses can barely get jobs anymore. And, you know, it's really painful for a lot of people. And I think that we should have phased that program out a long time ago, especially with the heaviness of magnet all around the country. Well, and it's frustrating when nursing just really can't figure out what they want, period. But I do think it is really interesting and looking at a bigger picture. And, you know, because I've worked at two children's hospitals, I do think that there's still this element that, and I do agree with you, bachelor's should be the minimum. It should be the standard. You have to have a bachelor's degree to get any basic job in the country right you can't just go and have like an associate's degree and work for like a hedge fund firm you can't just like have an associate's degree and go and be an accountant you can't just have an associate's degree and go and work for a marketing agency they will literally look at you and be like what are we supposed to do with this our minimum entry is a bachelor's or a master's degree so why are we just continuing to keep, you know, that as the minimum for nursing. Again, it has nothing to do with the quality of care. I know many fabulous associate's degree nurses. It has nothing to do with that. But it's just about, you know. Well, and I've also talked about this a lot where now the expectation with magnet being a thing, the expectation is that ADN nurses 
are going back for their bachelors, mainly for job security. Yeah, I had to go back because I, after I had moved to New York and I was, um, I eventually went on staff at the hospital and I wanted to take part in committees. Like I was the chair of the unit practice council. I was on the patient safety committee. I was on the hiring committee. I was on all these different committees and um, I was trying to get my senior staff nurse um, like um, promotion and they're like, oh, you have to have a bachelor's. And I'm like, fuck, that's actually the only reason I went back. (laughs) Do you feel like tapping into your NP role, do you think there's a right or wrong time to go back for your master's for your advanced NP? Yeah, I think the right fucking time is after you've been a nurse for a few years. (laughs) And there, many people will hate me. You can fucking unfollow me. I don't give a shit. A nurse practitioner has to have a foundation of being a nurse. There might be a few exceptions. And those exceptions are very, very rare. Let's say for instance, the only thing you want to do is injectables. All I wanna do is go and open up a fucking med spa and shoot bitches with Botox all day long. You never wanna work in the hospital, you never wanna work in the clinic, you don't wanna teach, you don't wanna do anything then fine, go do a fucking direct entry program and you can have your MP degree and go shoot all you want. However, that is the exception and that's not the norm. Uh, I actually kind of disagree on that because I think in order to do a good assessment and know who's a candidate, who's not, who's healthy, do your well your wellness checks, you still need to have a good base of a patient. You can, but I mean, like, you can get that clinical experience, you can get that shadowing experience, but like, does someone need to be a med surge nurse for two to three years or a tele nurse for two to three years to like do Botox the rest of their life? No. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is just something that people don't understand the dynamics. To me, if you're going to go to CRNA school, you better have a baseline of at least how to understand a patient from a cardiac, a respiratory, a medication. Well, you won't even get in the program, you know, a CRNA program. Right. You know, you have to have two to three years at least I can only speak from New York City, and I can really only speak from Columbia University or City University or SUNY downstate here in New York. Um, You have to have two to three years of experience in a critical care setting to get into an acute care NP program or a CRNA program. Um, An FNP program, you you just need um, like two years experience as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter where you work. But, you know, a lot of people don't like that if they're like, I know my end goal is I want to be an NP. Fine, great. But, you know, it's not called nurse practitioner because nursing is like not a part of it. It's called a nurse practitioner because it is an additional degree that is built upon a foundational practice as a nurse. So I want to deep dive into your NP role. What drove you to your specialty and the degree? Like, let's, what does your daily look like? So, I, I mean, I had always liked working in the hospital, so that's why I chose an acute care NP role, and I wanted to um, make sure that I could always continue that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of hospitals or like not hospitals. There's a lot of like departments that um, you cannot get hired if you're not an acute care nurse practitioner. So that's why I chose that specific degree. And then cardiac. Where did this come into the picture? It, it, it Honestly, it wasn't. I applied for every job that I could that was an acute care NP hiring, and that was the one that had the oh, best interesting. Um, package and the best vibe, and that's what I chose, and I ended up loving it. What are your procedures? What do you do on the daily? What does it look like? None. 
I don't do any procedures. I don't want to fucking do procedures. I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> Stay I don't, away. I don't want to touch that. Yeah. I, I could place a fucking 14 gauge in someone's thumb, but that's the ER nurse in me. But I do not want to do procedures. I didn't become an NP because I love procedures. And, um, you know, I specifically do not work on a service where I have to do the procedures. I don't want that responsibility. I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, that's why I'm I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that at all. And um, there are some people who are like, oh, no, I have to do procedures. Good for you. We need people like that because it ain't me. But during the acute care program, they will teach you to do all procedures. Like when I was in clinicals in grad school, I was doing lumbar punctures. I was placing art lines. I was doing bronchoscopies. I was fucking placing central lines, dialysis catheters. Like I was doing all that stuff. And I, I, I hated all of it. <laughs> what does your workflow look like right now? Like what time do you wake up? I get up at 4 a.m. I do 12, 12 hour shifts a month. Um, I get up at 4 a.m., um, get to the hospital early, start reviewing my patients. Uh, we have to round with the chief resident um, at starting around like 5.30, 5.45. And then um, after we round with the chief resident, we go back and we present the cases, all the patients to the attending. And then we round with the attending and see all the patients all over again. Um, and the day is just, it's just a very busy day. You know, the phone's ringing, someone's having an issue, patients are getting discharged, patients are getting admitted. There's, it's just a constant, you know, flow of stuff. Along that bloodline, what's your favorite, least favorite part of the role? All right, you guys, intermission, bathroom break, go get yourself a refill, get some cold brew, you know, take a minute, do a little spruce up. Okay. So the realty on this situation is we decided to break this up into two episodes because we still have a full hour with Katie and that's coming up next week. And let me tell you guys, it is so good. We're going to be talking to Katie about all things social media, brand building, really pushing through doors that have never been opened. And speaking of which, today, October 6th, her second scrub line, which Cherokee Uniforms has dropped, you guys. And we get behind the scenes with this one next week, but I wanted to give this a big shout out. Congratulations, Katie. Uh, This is huge, you guys. Like This is basically like the Michael Jordan of Nike as healthcare is to scrubs. Like I'm just super thankful for everything she's doing. She's really pushing these amazing new waves into healthcare. And I'm just really excited for it. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear next week. We're also going to be deep diving and talking about her podcast, Bad Decisions, how this all came to be. And honestly, just the impact that she has had on the world. I'm just, I'm very thankful to know her. And next week, we're going to be dropping so much tea for you. It's ridiculous. Um, I just, I'm literally peeing my pants because I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode next week. All right, you guys, as we're heading out, please remember to rate and review the show. Let me know what you thought. I want to hear. And I want you to get specific. I love it when you guys specific. What guests did you love hearing from? What tip did they leave for you? What did you learn from them? I really love hearing that. And I just want to say thank you so much for all your reviews. And when you leave a review, you guys, if you leave your Instagram handle in that review, I will be sending over some super cute stickers and a selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon. Make sure you are subscribing to our podcast. You can head over to our website, www.tipsfromtory.com. Over the course of the past month, I've actually been doing quite a bit of rebranding over on the website. So I'm really excited to see how it's kind of all coming together. And 
And I have tons of resources there. So if you are someone who's interested in getting into the medical field as a nurse, I have lots of blogs there, lots of information about NICU nursing, resource tips and tricks. All of our episodes are listed there. Also, our first piece of merch is officially live. We did a collab with Brave Gowns. So now we have a black, white, or pink mask available for you guys. It is $12. You can shop that, the link in the bio. You can head over to my Instagram. That's at Nurse Tori. You can also shop it on our Instagram. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Just hit the link in the bio and you can shop it there as well. You guys, I'm so thankful for all of you. I just want to give a huge shout out to all of you, my selfie squad. I love you guys. I'm just so thankful to have this space. And I also wanted to tell you, Uh, We are working very diligently behind the scenes to wrap up our huge project, which will be launching at the end of October. I will be announcing everything via email. So if you guys are interested in hearing about it or being the first to know, make sure you get on the email list. You can also check that out on the link in the bio. Everything is there so you can subscribe, you can get the mask, you can see all the latest blogs. I put everything there as a resource for you guys. So... Thank you so much, Selfie Squad, for being here, you guys. And I cannot wait to drop more tea with you next week with Katie Duke. Speaking of bad decisions, I'm all out of episodes, and I was supposed to record like six episodes yesterday, and I just didn't leave my couch. The funny thing is this bad decisions concept has kind of been in my head for like 10 years. But I initially wanted to start like a food truck called Bad Decisions and just offer like little like takeaway pieces of food that's so fucking good and it ain't good for you. But that's why little pieces of bad decisions. So over the years, I have always kind of been known as the person who was known for her bad decisions. You know, when I got fired on New York Med, everybody knew me as that girl that got fired for posting on Instagram. And I, that's what I try to teach people is that you can either be ashamed by all these things or you can choose to talk about them and kind of own that shit. And you can maybe enlighten some other people along the way. You know, we are always raised to be ashamed about our bad moments, to be ashamed about your weight, to be ashamed that you were in an abusive relationship, to be ashamed that you have a fucking criminal record and it takes you forever to get a fucking board license. You should be ashamed of all these things, but all those things are the only reason you and I are having this conversation.